Park Flyer Podcast, Episode 4, Dradio. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Park Fire Podcast. Michael here, along with my co-host, Jay. How's it going tonight, Jay? How Pretty good, Mike. Everything's doing great. Excellent. Hey, tonight we're talking about uh, radios, uh, first-time users and uh, what, what kind of radios they would like. And I, I think we have a special guest tonight, Mike Barcelos with us. Uh, say hello, Mike. Hello. <laughs> welcome uh, to our podcast. So thanks for having me. Not a problem. We understand you use a different type of radio than the rest of us because we're Spectrum users, but you use something different. Yeah, that's right. I use uh, Tyrannus, the X9D Plus version. What's so special about that versus the Spectrum? Why do you like that better than the Spectrum? Well, I, I don't wouldn't say I necessarily like it better than the Spectrum other than I know there's some features I certainly like about it. I think the Spectrum radios are really great. In fact, that was my first radio that i got i had a six uh six F, uh, x and uh i really liked it but uh i also had a, a turner g 9xr for a while and i found a, some software called OpenTX that i could put on that radio and allows me to do some other things well after doing that i realized that uh that 9XR didn't have the hardware I really wanted in it, which is sound and uh, vibration feedback or haptic feedback. And so that's when I bought the Tyrannus. So, so from a from a pure hardware perspective, it just had the hardware I wanted uh, to be able to do the things I wanted to do with it. Well, that, make, that makes sense. I actually run a DX18, so it uh, it has a lot of the same voice and tactile functions that uh, that feedback so what what style radio do you run uh, jay i have a dx9 it's at the low end of the spectrum for channel wise mike you're you guys you have 12 channels on yours right yeah i believe that's true yep well okay. the receiver can handle it it should be able to do 12 now i heard from somebody that they, they described your radio or between there are two radios or computer radios that it's kind of comparing um, a Macintosh to an Android phone between the difficulties for controlling the two radios. Is that true? or I'd say that's a pretty good analogy, I mean, reasonable analogy. I mean, the Macs are pretty, are known to be easy to use and uh, you sort of guide it to where you need to go and that sort of thing. And in and, and my radio, you, you do really have to know how to use the radio. I mean, there's a, Deep learning curve to use it, although um, they, they can be overcome with some with some techniques. But you still have to learn what those techniques are, and so that that can be a challenge at times. But in the end, I like the Android phone and or the Tyrannus because I can do what I want with it. I have some real control over certain events or certain ways to program it to do things. For example, I have one of those ME one sixty three comets. I, I really like that plane. And it has a uh, engine in the back that you can, uh, an SC's rocket engine that you can launch off. Well, with that radio, I can, with the Tyrannus radio and OpenTX, I can program it to turn on the engine igniter for a half a second or a second, whatever length of time I feel it needs to get the igniter to work, and then have it turn it off. And I'm not saying you couldn't necessarily do that with a DX18 or a DX9. I just know that the pretty straightforward process for me to do on my Tyrannus radio and it's a pretty complicated setup I mean that's not a normal thing you'd find on a radio I guess so do you have to program the the actual like code for that radio or you can just you just have to go into the radio software and program to turn it on or off yeah it's just going to the radio software itself to you know turn on switches turn off switches it actually has logic built into it so you would have a logic switch that would go on or go off based on some condition that you've set. Um, and so for me, that was about being a switch to make sure that the igniter comes on. But because it's not a momentary switch, I have to make sure that the switch does 
seems like it's on all the time, as you could potentially short the battery or whatever, some other issue could occur. Uh, and so, so for me, that feel a lot more safe about that switch working the way I have to, that I'd like it to work. And I don't have to worry about switching it on and then back off again. I just have to switch it one way and, I, and it's good to go. It's not an on or off switch. It's just an instant switch. Yeah. Well, in this case, it, we, it is an on or off switch. It's a three position switch, but um, it behaves like a, uh, a momentary switch because of the way I was able to program it. So it allows me to, even though the hardware is limited to the three position switch in this case, um, because I like to use my spring, my uh, momentary switch for a trainer. This allows me to turn one of the other switches into a momentary switch by using logic in the radio in the radio programming. That makes sense. Uh, this Tyrannus that you talk about seems like it's very complicated. Is it a radio for a beginner, like somebody just getting into this sport? Would you suggest that type of radio? I don't think I would, although I wouldn't say that it's impossible for a beginner to use. Um, and it, it has some, you know, depending on why you're getting into the hobby, if you're just getting in the hobby to fly planes or, or quads or something, then maybe it doesn't make sense to just go out and buy a Tyrannus first thing. But I think if you're someone who's interested in different things that you can do with the radio, it gives you a lot of flexibility and choices for what you might do with your radio and how how the plane behaves when you're using it. So can you, you, you do some FPV, right? So you, you can use your radio for FPV and, and have uh, telemetry and that kind of thing. Yeah, right now I'm not doing the FPV, but I do have telemetry on the radio, which is nice. This is a new thing for me. I, I just got some, uh, I have a, a Phoenix 2000 that I fly, and I just got an altimeter for it. And uh, I can see the receiver battery power, or how much is left in the battery. And that's kind of neat because they can catch thermals and fly around and really know what the plane's doing. And I think that's kind of great to be able to do. And I know that in some radio systems, the telemetry gear is really, really expensive. So if you're going to buy a receiver, you got to just buy the receiver and then maybe a special piece of other gear, maybe another and two sensors or whatever. And in my case, the receivers I can buy are probably in the $15 range that have to, that I can get telemetry on them. And so that's kind of neat. In fact, I just added a external module to the radio. I found out that one of my bind and fly spectrum planes provides telemetry back on some micro. It provides telemetry back so I can know I can get telemetry on a DSMX plane without doing anything. I just had to plug in the, this external module. Now I have telemetry from that plane, which is cool. Wow, that is kind of cool that you're able to do all that. I, I think the Spectrums do have some capability, but I think you have to have certain type of receiver put in there to allow that telemetry to come back. So I use a uh, TM-1000 module, and as uh, Mike was saying, you have to add the module plus whatever receiver that you're using plus the sensors. So the actual module may cost between 30 to $40, plus whatever sensor you have. So for the setup that Mike has in his glider, um, where he only has two components, meaning the receiver, which has the built-in telemetry, plus maybe the uh, the device that he's using, in this case an altimeter or, or a variometer, I have to buy the variometer plus the module plus the receiver. So it adds more weight. It takes up a little bit more room. It's a little bit bulkier, but it's easy to kind of throw together and it all works. But it is a bit of a hassle that you have to add these extra components where a lot of his equipment, it already comes built in and you're just adding the sensor. So all of this still sounds like it's very complicated for the new guy getting started. I mean, are, what radios are we looking for? I, I just got into this hobby yesterday, just bought an airplane. Uh, I know there's a lot of airplanes that come with the radio inside it, but what's a good radio for someone that's trying to break into the hobby? If I was starting over again, um, I would I would buy a, a, probably a Spectrum a Spectrum Six at this point because now it has voice and uh, haptic feedback. They did a good job of making it simple as they have in the past. Plus, I think the Spectrum model is a very popular model of a transmitter. So I think again, you're going to get help that you need from people. But I, it's not fair to the other providers because I've never used any of their radios. 
So I really couldn't tell you that a Futaba wouldn't be a good choice either. I, I used Futaba four channel radios when I first got them and I, they were fine, but they're all analog. They didn't have any digital mixing or anything, but they were good radios, very solid. It's not to say that the Futaba wouldn't be any good. I just, I just know what the Spectrum can do. And I liked, I liked it and I would like the new one. Yeah. I used the JR radio when I first uh, started in, in the hobby as well. And it was not as complicated as the DX 18, but I think technology on the spectrum side kind of rocketed past everyone until they all kind of caught back up. But I think at this point in the game, JR, Futaba, you know, spectrum, they're, they're all pretty much getting their ducks in a row to be digital. And you can do a lot with the radios. I think it's just a matter of what your, ultimate goal in the hobby is going to be and if you're starting like what we're doing today on and just talking about park flying you can get away with a four five six channel radio where if you're doing more complex stuff like jay and i do and, and you as well mike that that it's going to require something that's got more than three or four channels you know five or six channels to be honest I mean, I, I have an airplane that's probably got 10 channels on it. So I had to get something better than nine. 18 was just the next step up. So I, I wound up getting the DX18. But I've always had, other than the, the JR that I had, I've, I've flown on a Spectrum. And I've had the Spectrum 6, the 6i, the 9, and now the 18. So I've, I've pretty much grown up on a Spectrum. Well, guys, I, I kind of disagree. I don't think anybody has to buy a major radio. Uh, nowadays, it's so inexpensive for the new park flyer to come in. I think that any four-channel computerized radio, like something from Hobby Shack, I mean, Hobby Hobby City or Hobby, Hobby whatever. Hobby King. Hobby King, thank you. You can buy a cheap, inexpensive radio for around $50. It's computerized. It's no, no name, no brand for just somebody getting into the hobby and they're not sure how much they want to spend for 50 bucks. And if they give it up in a month or two, Hey, they're only out 50 bucks as opposed to 150 bucks. It allows them to get. So are you like talking about like the orange? Right. Are you talking about like the orange? Yes, absolutely. Like the orange uh, uh, transmitters. I I agree with you. They can buy an airplane that, actually comes in a box from e-flight and get a spectrum dx5e yeah depending on if you know what trainer set they get you you're you're correct they can get something like that and i would recommend that one too but isn't the uh, 5e more of a uh, analog radio it doesn't come it's not a computer radio you have to yeah it has, use your slit switches mixed. and dials it, it does yeah. yeah it has mixed but but it's not like programmable and I, 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 I guess I kind of agree with Jay. That that orange radio, and I, I know somebody who has one of those, seems to work well. It works with the, the Spectrum uh, receivers, and so you can still buy planes that would have you know bind and fly for Spectrum. I don't know if there's any radios like that for the other Futaba or anybody else. You make a really good point, Jay. I mean, I, I totally forgot about that radio altogether, quite frankly. Right, and and the big thing, you know, for teaching new guys, those other radios that are just analog or just with the sticks to, to, for the trims, the regular analog trims are okay. It's just so much easier to set up a little wing for somebody or to set up the trim for somebody or, you know, configure it when it's all computerized. It's so much easier than the old, you know, like I said, analog type cheapy radio. Yeah. Cause they have dip switches and, and now nowadays you can actually just go into the software and, and change it. Will the, orange receiver do a wireless buddy box with like a spectrum it should if it's using a if it's using a an orange radio if you're able to use an orange radio receiver between the two it should be able to do a wireless transmission with uh art with the spectrum radios it should work oh i I misunderstood now yeah jay and i have done where where we use a non-spectrum radio with jay's buddy box and i i bound to his transmitter to be the slave and then he bound to my plane. That's what you're talking about, right, Mike? That yeah. is correct. Michael? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, so that is possible. I just I thought you meant that that transmitter can do that wireless buddy boxing. Oh, no, that. no, it, it can't. It doesn't have that capability. No, yeah. I just was wondering, you know, if I go out to the air, if I go out to the field, you know, the park, and I have this DX18, I know I can wireless buddy box with other spectrums. If someone shows up to the park and they have a new orange receiver radio or orange radio and they've got their new little airplane and they want to 
have some instruction and I actually bind their airplane or their radio to mine so that I can help them out with a buddy box is my question. Yes, you can. Yeah. Yes, you can. As long as, like Mike said, uh, as long as it can bind to that spectrum receiver, that's all that's important. That's all that matters. Well, there you have it. Go out and buy a, what did you what did you call it? Orange, orange receiver. Or orange. Ri- orange. Yeah. Yeah. Orange. Go check it out. Hobby King. They have them right there. Like I want to say they're 50 bucks, $55. And I think Jay, we actually figured out that like in Alaska anyway, if you bought that radio, you're end up spending like a hundred bucks because you have to ship it to Alaska. And so for me, it didn't make sense to buy that radio since I was going to have to spend so much money anyway, just to get it here. Did you buy yours at a hobby store? Or did you get it online? No, but my Tyrannus uh, was still like twenty or thirty bucks to ship. But um, it's a, just a completely different radio. I'm just saying, for an inexpensive radio, it was expensive. <laughs> it was expensive to get it right here. But maybe it wouldn't be the same in Phoenix because you know it's not Alaska. It's shipping. It would cost a dollar. A dollar for shipping. <laughs> dollar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just drop it. Be they dollar. just fly over and drop it with a parachute with us. Yeah, sure. Drone <laughs> delivery already. That's right. Because, you know, we don't have the same problem. We're just cactus out there. And of course, they can get to our house a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Well, you, you know, luckily today we got to talk to the guys at the park. I went and flew today at the park. Uh, Larry was in from Colorado Springs, and he had this to say about you know his new radio. So, uh, Larry, what uh, what type of radio do you have? I have a Spectrum DX9 that I really like, but there's a lot of good ones out recently from Spectrum if you like that type of radio. Is a digital radio? Uh, yes, yes. They all um, even they've replaced their full line, so now the the DX6 um, and DX8 are now Gen 2s, which have a lot more capability than their previous units. <laughs> um, they all have uh, pretty much the same type firmware built in. So once you learn how to run one of the radios, you can go right to the others without any difficulty. Whereas before, it was uh, very difficult trying to run a, a DX7 or a DX7S and then go into a 6i. And then, you know, they've gone through so many different variations of the 6, for instance. Now, for a new guy, what uh, what would you suggest uh, for someone getting into the sport? I think, well, I still think the, the Spectrum works great because it's simple. You can buy uh, clone receivers. DX6 uh, has voice now, so you can put your voice in so you know where your switches are. It helps remind you how you have your setup. Um, really, the only differences between basically the 6, the 8, and the 9 are just the number of receivers or a number of channels, I mean, that a, a receiver can have. Now, what did you mean by uh, that you can buy clone receivers? Um, several companies make DSM-2 and DSM-X receivers that you can purchase from, you know, China varieties. Um, instead of spending 20 bucks for a receiver, you can get one for 5 bucks. That makes it, makes it uh, more, more affordable. Much more affordable. You can buy more planes. You don't have to move them around. I have one friend that keeps moving his from one plane to the other, trying to make it work, and then he can't understand why it doesn't work. Well, there's no receiver in it. <laughs> now, do you find the, the Spectrum radios hard to uh, program? It takes some time to figure out. I tend to help a lot of the folks back in uh, where I'm from, Colorado Springs, do it. They do take some time. You just sit down and learn how they work. You do so much with them. They're very, um, I don't know what's the word, very capable. We appreciate you talking to us on the podcast. Thank you. So when you talk about firmware, and that's what we, when I talked earlier about OpenTX, that is the firmware for the Tyrannus radio that I use. You don't have to use that. It actually comes with um, some software already, but I, I replaced it with OpenTX software. That's the firmware that drives the radio, basically, it's the thing that interfaces between the digital, the, the, the analog sticks and all the digital switches and all the logic that goes on, and it, and it transmits it out to the plane uh, via the transmitter module. So what he is saying is that with Spectrum, from one radio to the next radio to the next radio, it pretty much behaves the same. Now, I would beg to differ a little bit because I've played with the 6, the 7, the 8, 
a 9, and the 18. And each one of them, although a lot of it is similar, each had different things. And I don't know, Jay or Mike, can you guys confirm that to be true? Or what do you yeah, think? Yeah, Mike, I think I could. I know between the, uh, they're like in a group of family. The firmware is not the same between all of them, uh, as you noted. The DX9 and the DX18 are in like one family, and they're very, very similar. The DX7 is in its own family altogether. And then the DX6i and then the DX8 actually are in the same family. And like I said, the oddball is the DX7. It's a, a totally different firmware by itself. So it's a little confusing because you can share with these radios. The nice thing is you can use an SD card and you can, you know, you can have more, more than like 50 models or 30 models. You can have like unlimited amounts. But um, if I was going to share something with, say, Mike, let's say I, I got a new plane, uh, I got him that plane for Christmas or something, I could just email him the configuration that I have, and then he could upload it into his radio. But if he had a DX6 or a 7 or, or an 8, and I mailed him the same configuration, it would not work with his radio at all. So you just have to be aware of that. Okay, but that that was the old versions, and I think Larry was talking about the new radios that have come out from Spectrum all have the same software. Well, that that makes sense to me that would be the case. I mean, I, I believe that they've moved toward that direction because it makes sense for them to do that. And the, and the hardware, except for the number of channels out, is probably very, very similar. So that makes sense, although I'd have to imagine your 18 mic is quite a bit different than say the new, the current 6XI, just because it's 18 channels. And so there's going to have to be some differences between the two. Okay, and, and I don't disagree with that, that there, that the firmware may be the same underlying, uh, you know, structure. But I think the DX6, uh, the DX, the new DX6, the new DX9, the DX18, all of those have the same tactile feel. They've got the same voices they got the same recording capabilities for you can record your own voice they've got the model share all of that seems to be the same so i think uh you know you can jump yes from one I, radio yeah, to the I, other. I think you i think you're correct mike michael i think you're absolutely correct um what i what i was saying before is basically the models that are about two years old you know older than those are that are the older generation before they put everybody to this new air i think it's called airware is what they use i think so that's so i think software. i think the newest airware that just came out for the newest radios within the past year year and a half all have a i think they're all very very similar and you can use you know they all interchangeable where the older stuff did not so that's a new move for spectrum then they they've moved towards that and I, I think from a growth perspective for a new guy, if he started with a DX6i uh, or a DX6, whatever the new one is, the S, that he would be able, you know, he or she would be able to build a model because it, it's now it holds, what, 250 models plus the SD card still? So it'll hold all of those models. They can jump around from each, you know, different model, store all of that information. And if they move up out of the park flying realm into something bigger, they can be comfortable knowing they can move all that stuff to the new radio and get a nine channel versus a six channel. The other thing that you guys sort of brought to the surface here is that I talked about OpenTX earlier. What's kind of interesting about the OpenTX firmware is it actually works on like six or seven different hardware platforms is the best way to say it. It works on a Turnigy gear. It works on a, the, the 9XR, that's the Turnigy. The Tyrannus, and there's a new platform called the Horus that they just produced. Uh, so this same firmware, or pretty much the same firmware, works on all these different physical platforms. And so I think the whole airware was sort of in response to what folks that built OpenTX sort of forced them to, to move that direction, in my mind, anyway. I don't, know, I don't pretend to know what Spectrum's thinking or, or deciding, but it just seems to me like after OpenTX started making a pretty big splash in the last couple of years, we see we saw this behavior from Spectrum. So to me, it seemed to drive some of that. But maybe they were already planning that all along. I mean, I, I should give them some credit here. Well, I like competition is good. No, what, no matter how you yeah. cut it, it's all good for us. I mean, I I was impressed, just blown away for such an inexpensive radio for your your Tyrannus mic. 
what you were able to do with that radio, I, it impresses me that I can buy that radio, and if I wanted to do long-distance FPV-type stuff, I can put a UHF module into it and fly miles away. And it just impresses me for, I mean, what did you get your radio for? It's like around $200. You got yeah. all this capability. Now, you have to have a little bit of wear all to get it all to work right, but wow, the the abilities and the, and the capabilities that it's going to give you for that for that little amount of money is just impressive. I mean, I, I never, you know, I thought it's very impressive that you can control down to the millisecond of delay on every single channel that you have, not just on, you know, not just on one channel, but on all your channels, but it can kind of get you out going crazy. If you just want to put a little left trim into something, you got to sit down and figure out, well, now what did I do? Or what did I, what button did I hit? I've noticed that frustration from you sometimes when you're just like, oh, why isn't this working now? Why are both my controls moving the same way? And it just happened that you bumped something by accident. So that that's the flip side of it. That's that's terrible. Sounds like a lot of uh, heartache. <laughs> I don't know. I think initially it was, Mike. I mean, I, 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 I can't lie about that. The, you know, making a change or trying to get to do what I could have easily done on my a spectrum radio with a couple of clicks took me a little bit to figure it out, but that was more about my misunderstanding than it was about the radio being a bad interface or anything like that. It really had nothing to do with that. It just had to do with me not understanding how the, how to what I really wanted to do or what I really wanted to make it do. Right. And and so it is a leap. It is a leap. There's there there is a learning curve. Well, it's pretty impressive that it's that it's more in the elite status and and yet at a price point that someone could afford. I mean, the this hobby, the biggest expense I think is mostly the radio. The good news is you can move the radio from one platform you know, aircraft to the next. Uh, if you bought the right radio, you can actually move, or you can purchase the DXSM receivers from a multitude of different companies that produce them attach them to your radios, put them in the airplanes that they need to be in and leave them in. That was positive. I think Larry was talking about that as well, that you can, you know, move some guys. I mean, remember when Jay and I first started, we had one receiver. It was like $80 for a spectrum receiver. And we carried it from one plane to the next plane to the next plane, having to rebind it, you know, put it in the new uh, airplane, plug everything in and then go fly that airplane only to come down, disassemble that, put the, the, receiver into the next airplane and try to go fly it and it sometimes caused problems sometimes you know everything was had to be readjusted but today's world those receivers have come down to a price point where we can afford them for five or six dollars buy 10 i buy 10 of them at a time and put them in every airplane and then i don't have to transfer them from one airplane to the next so i think it's positive that you know, the price points are, are actually, like Jay said, the competition has been good for us. It's caused uh, new and improved technologies, and I think it's new and improved uh, radios that are coming out as well. And it kind of forced everybody's hand to get out of that old 72 megahertz that we used to fly in where we had to go check in our radio and you could get brownouts or get blocked. Uh, you know, somebody with uh, a different radio could turn it on and everything would go haywire where the deck, the spectrum or the the dxsm styles you can get 50 people all flying at once i mean today at the park we had seven guys all flying all at the same time it was great it was a little crowded but it was great well it's kind of funny you, you should mention that you know it, uh so the old 72 megahertz now has become a desert so to speak right nobody's on that frequency anymore so for guys who are doing fpv and some other issues and some other types of uh, things along that line. Now that it's totally opened up, it's it's great for those guys because um, a lot of them use the 72 megahertz because it goes further than like a spectrum radio does. You know, uh, wise. Uh, our radios are good out to about two, three miles, and the 72 megahertz can get out to about five miles or so. And um, so it's really great for those guys because nobody's on those freaks anymore for them. Yeah, I don't know if I could see a whole two miles out. That that'd be a little far out. 
Maybe straight up. I know we got the well, gliders he, up. He's assuming guy. FPV, right? I think he's assuming flight with flight with camera. I don't know. He might be. But this, I, I, mean, I am. <laughs> so okay. I know well, you got sharp vision, Mike, but not that sharp. <laughs> eagle eye vision, man. What are you talking about? Or like walleye vision. Yes. But go ahead. It's all fish eyes. <laughs> well, I think the spectrum radios, you know, even with a a two mile range, there's there's still some limitations to them in the fact that uh I, I have lost signals to uh some of my spectrum, you know, receivers and some of the other receivers. Uh orange one is is one that I've lost several times. I, I think I crashed the the wing, the the tough wing because it had an orange receiver in it and got some sort of a interference between my radio and the receiver. Okay, so this is this is something specific that I think that I really like about the Tyrannus radio. So recently, um a guy by the name of Mike Blanford and a couple other guys, I don't know their actual names, um HP Nuts, Plastios, and a couple other guys on RC Groups um, figured out that the orange micro, um, the orange receivers, on some of the versions of the receivers, the code is different or there's something wrong with the code that's there. And so for the Tyrannus and the module that I use called, uh, one of the modules I use called the multi-module because um, I, need, I wanted to have DSM on my Tyrannus radio, um, they fixed that problem in the multi-module software so that so that when it tries to bind to that radio, it it binds correctly, even though the receiver itself was programmed wrong. So so because of these guys doing all this work, um they were they were able to correct the problem that the manufacturer created on the receiver side. Uh, to make it and make it workable or usable, like I noticed on my all the newer orange receivers I was getting weren't working very well with my older uh, spectrum transmitter. I had range problems and stuff like that. Now I don't claim to know all there is to know about that, but. I followed, I've been following the thread for the programming of this multi-module thing, and, and that's some of the things that have come out. Very, very interesting stuff to learn about if you like to get that deep into it, right? Most people just like to fly. I like to learn, like, all the, the intricate details about how things work, too. And that's been something I gained like, because I had this Tyrannus radio and um, was interested in, in the technology behind it. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, I'm not an engineer by trade where you are, so I... It, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me on firmwares and computer uh, data and all that kind of stuff behind the scenes. But uh, it, it is a little interesting to see the technology and how it comes around and how guys can actually do that, where they can figure out that the manufacturer had an issue and fix it on the back end as opposed to the front end. And that's lucky because, I, like I said, I have several orange receivers I bought at one point, and I hardly ever use them anymore because I just felt they were so unreliable with the spectrum radio versus something different. So maybe I'll ship them to you. Well, he's, he's the only one that's going to have that, that has that fixed. Unfortunately, you and I are still going to have problems with the aren't those orange receivers, unfortunately, Yeah. you know, and we both lost planes, sure. you know, due to that receiver, you know, and that's why we both like lemons. But uh, <laughs> now that Mike has that fix, you know, I have to admit his, his, stuff watching his stuff work it's just amazing it's nice um his recovery rate for like a brownout or something is just incredibly fast uh, and i think that's specific to the um fr sky uh protocol and how it works um i think all the fr sky um, stuff does that but yeah i remember we were flying one day and i lost signal because of something i don't remember what it was but a half a second later i had it back and i was like wow that's crazy great whereas on my spectrum stuff with the orange receivers for sure it would be like three seconds before it would rejoin and by then it might have been in the dirt right um, i think I, I believe i, I remember correctly it was, the, it was the firmware on the receiver end 
that it didn't have you didn't right. have the latest receipt you didn't have the latest firmware on your receivers and so it was kind of miscommunicating between the two and it would lose connection but then at least it was regaining connection i mean like that and you were back in, in business because it would be like whoa, whoa i got it oh and we're like oh no and then it, you'd be back <laughs> flying again yep. yeah because three seconds is a lifetime in this sport Watch it, <laughs> watching yeah. your airplane go by really quick. It does, especially if you're pointed straight to the ground. That three seconds lasts, I mean, forever. It's crazy. Or if you didn't set your failsafe up properly, right? <laughs> All of a sudden, it goes into failsafe and is elevator down. Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do I set? How Full do you throttle set elevator down. Right. Full throttle. So the failsafe, actually, for those of you that uh, are not familiar with failsafes, failsafes are are basically a program inside the radio or the receiver so that if it loses uh, the handshake with the, with the radio, the one that, the radio that you're holding in your hand, it will actually tell the control surfaces to do something, whether it's a climb or level or get out of whatever current configuration they're in. And if you set it up correctly, then it can be a, it can be a say a equipment saving venture but if you have it un, if you don't have it set or it's set incorrectly kind of like mike said it could go full down elevator and for three seconds the thing's just headed to the ground you can't really recover so uh, make sure if you do get uh, a receiver from a third party that you read the directions close enough to see if it does have a fail safe some of the lemon receivers that i i use they have some of them have a fail safe some of them don't so you got to make sure that if it does have a failsafe, it's set up correctly. Quick story. A mutual friend of Mike's and I up here uh, was flying one of his planes. He uh, went to take off. He accidentally turned the radio off as he was taking off. He didn't set the failsafe correctly. Failsafe was full throttle, <laughs> and it just took off like a rocket. He was over there you know, smashing his fist into the radio to make it work, and uh, he <laughs> turned the radio back on. And luckily it was climb. It was in a slight climb, you know, because of, it was full throttle. It climbed up high enough that it, it regained the signal. And he turned the radio back on. He was able to get control of it and he got it back. But it was, it was a very exciting, like eight seconds. And it was very comical to watch him dance around, smashing his radio with his fist. So wow, eight seconds is even more of a, that's like years. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it, it was a long, it was, it's a very good story. And uh, he was very animated telling it. So, um, well, I can imagine. yeah, definitely. Definitely get your fail-safes, you know, checked and uh, get them set up correctly. Now, do all of the uh, the receivers for your radio, Mike, do they they come with a fail-safe automatically, or do they are they like the spectrums where there some are, some aren't? No, um, a majority. I don't think there's any of them. I think all of them have fail-safe uh, of the FR Sky receivers. I believe all of them have fail-safes. Huh. Well, that's a positive thing for it then. And not only that, yeah. um, as Mike found out with his last uh, transmitters or receivers that he just got, with a little firmware upgrade and tinkering with them, um, he just got some cheapy ones. You know, he was just going to use for park flying, and then he found out with just a, a quick software upgrade that it already had telemetry built in. So he had telemetry system, it had fail safe, it had a bunch of features that weren't listed on this cheap receiver, knockoff receiver. And just with a firmware upgrade, he got a receiver that was worth what twice the price of the easily, that little knockoff. Easily. It, it it just it broke my heart. To, I'm just like it came with what? Yeah, I just did this three second firmware upgrade, and look at all the things that it can do. And I was like, wow, you suck. You know, what can, can I say? Like it can do S, <laughs> it can do S bus, and it can do um, the PWM, and it can do uh, what's the other one? Other protocol that's out there. Uh, uh, PW, uh, yeah, PWM, PP, PPM, or CPPM. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then and then the S bus. So it could do all those things, which is really cool to be able to take one receiver and make it do all this stuff um, just by doing a firmware upgrade. And again, it's a, it's the same or similar group of people on RC groups that are doing these things, and they're they're just awesome at what they do. You know, it's amazing because it's amazing because once again we're back to the RC groups and what it can do for you. Uh, we we talked about it in the last podcast how it was important for people to join RC groups, and now here we are talking about a whole different subject, uh, not necessarily trainers or aircraft 
plans, which is what our last discussion was, but this is on radios and how much those guys have actually been able to do uh, to help uh, the sport. So I will tell you that you said you had the XD9 Plus. Is that the one you said you have? Yeah, X9D Plus, yep. X9D Plus, it says, goes for about $239, uh, and that's the retail price. A couple of websites have it. And then it looks like the receivers, they vary anywhere from 16 to $30, depending on what you're getting, I think. Yeah, and the ones that Jay was talking about, I think I paid uh, for the better ranged ones. Um, I paid fifteen dollars for them, and I but I can convert them into these telemetry versions. That's pretty good, actually, because I know as compared to a spectrum telemetry spectrum uh, receiver is probably going to be closer to ninety nine dollars. Yep. Yep. And I know my DX18 radio for the DX18 is probably north of about six fifty to eight hundred dollars. So I spent quite a lot of money on mine. And I could use other sensors, but mostly the sensors that I'm I'm making use of is the signal signal strength to the to the uh, receiver, so how good the transmitter is talking to the receiver, and then the battery voltage. And that's pretty much what I use in the majority of my planes, and then I have that. Things two thousand. I have the the uh, the uh, periometer. Now, for the uh, being able to get the telemetry back on the battery is seems to me like that would be really helpful because I know uh, Michael and I both use, and you too, Mike. I know I know you use your timer to figure out how long you can fly for, and that's kind of a trial and error. And then you finally set your your timer. But the nice part with having that telemetry that takes it all, it takes that out of the equation all at once because now you can have your radio set up that'll warn you when it gets to a certain voltage you know so if you're flying yeah, just putting around the sky yeah. no big deal or if you're going you know all balls to the wall you know and you only have a minute of flight left it's going to let you or tell you so is that what you're finding out with your radio yeah i haven't made use of that as much but i know that i could you know you brought up something that that just i remembered from a conversation there's a guy out there that actually programmed the radio to recognize the fact that a new battery is plugged in and it resets all the timers uh, and does some actions based on the fact that he plugged a new radio into his transmitter, into the receiver. I, I thought that was pretty cool that he could just have it automatically do certain things based on the fact that there's a new battery in there. That is pretty amazing technology that it, uh, they're able to do that. Now, this guy isn't, a, he isn't the, the main programmer. He just, this is just one of, like I said, this is all open source. So he just kind of came up with this on his own or, or what? Yeah, this is just like a user, a user of the software that's available to him. And he figured out and decided that he wanted it to do certain things when the battery gets swapped out. And so he used logic switches and he might have, I, I, I don't know how he actually, I don't know how he actually did it. But I just was reading about it. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. I never thought about doing that. But that's a great idea. Yeah, I know that that is a great idea. I never even thought about that either. You plug in a new battery and it resets all of the uh, information that you would have normally had to put in there manually. Pretty amazing. Yep. Yep. So I, uh, well, what's interesting? Stuff like that to me is kind of interesting. Well, what I was going to say was uh, what I find interesting now is with the RSSI, that's the uh, signal strength between the radio and the receiver that, that we've been talking about, which seems now like is pretty prevalent within on your radio, hasn't really made, you know, uh, it might be later on in the year or coming up here very soon for the Spectrum radios, but it hasn't, it seems like things are slower for this newer stuff, like you're, like all this technology and all this new stuff coming out with the open source uh, source stuff is coming out very quickly. Um, it's like lamb; it's right out there. Where the commercial stuff is taking seems to be, t you know, going at a turtle's pace to catch up. So I don't, I don't know if that's good or bad, but um, it, it does seem that way. So I, I just looked up the uh, the DX6. It looks like they have the DX6, and it it retails for about two twenty nine ninety nine. So it runs pretty close to the same price as Mike's Tyrannus, but it sounds like the Tyrannus may do more for someone that's probably a little, a 
little more versed in in the RC world. The DX6 looks like it might I would be one for the you know for the newer guys. Yeah, I would say that again. I I, I would not hesitate to buy a, a, D, a DX6 um, if I was doing this again, like brand new start because. Because it really could take, I mean, the one I bought, I had a DX6 when I first started. And I was able, I had probably 10 or so planes. I think that's all I could handle at the time. And that was sufficient for me, really. I didn't really need that many more planes in the first place. Um, and secondly, it, it handled majority of the issues or things that I wanted it to do. It couldn't, uh, it couldn't do the Phoenix, a full-fledged Phoenix um, programming because it's missing a channel or two in order to do what you need to do. I think I have a eight channel or something in there now. Um, so, so, um, I missed that on the DX six, but other than that, um, you know, I could do pretty much everything I needed to do on, on most of the planes that I was buying. I mean, I think I, I had a, a Trojan, which I thought was a good plane. It's a great trainer plane. I had a wing dragon, another great trainer plane. And these are all four channel, um, planes that are easy to fly and you don't need much of a radio to be able to fly them. So it's a great first radio. Uh, you can sell it to someone else cause it's a great first radio. So if you decide you get all excited and you're doing great and now all of a sudden you want to make all, do all this fancy stuff and you want to move up to a Tyrannus or a DX 18 or some other bigger radio. Well, you, you're not buying something that's going to lose money by just by using it. I mean, those things, got a good resale value i think and um uh, they're worth you know they're worth having and like i said i'm not saying futaba is any good either imagine there there's their low-end radio is as good as the ds6 I don't, I don't know if it has uh haptic feedback and voice but if it did i mean, imagine it's you know pretty much going to be the same so yeah it looks right like, and it looks like the new radios from spectrum uh start with a dx6e a dx6 the DX8, the DX9, the DX18, and the new DX20. But they all have the same firmware where they have the tactile feel the and airware. the voice, the airware. Yeah. They do have the lowest yeah. end, which is a DXE, which I think is their five channel. Huh. Right. So I was going to say the, uh, there still is a big difference between um, your 18 and, say, Mike's uh, his Tyrannus. I mean, they're both. I mean, the Tyrannus has a lot of features or or greater features than the 18 in some respects. But when you look at the quality of, like, say, the sticks and um, that type of refinement of the radio, well, I have to go with like the 18, you know, for 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 that type of quality. But you know, once again, not everybody needs that, so that's why the Tyrannus may appeal to them so much than say the buying an 18. So the Futaba, the Futaba J8, which is a 2.4 gigahertz computer radio, runs $279.99. So you're looking at a price point for all three. The Futaba, the, the Spectrum, and the Tyrannus are, are all the six-channel run about the same, you know, within $230 to $290, something like that. So it, I'm sure that there's probably differences. I don't read on here that they have very much I, I don't see here that they have the tactile displays or the voice but that doesn't necessarily mean that their higher end radios don't have them this doesn't look oh. like this one that i'm looking at from a photographer well, i imagine that's probably i imagine that's probably why the dx6 sells so well because it has nice features for being quote-unquote a low-end radio or a mid, I think it's a mid, a mid radio, right? I mean, the low end would be the the orange. Well, that's probably true. So. That's probably true. But they they look neat. I mean, you know, they're pretty impressive, actually. And of course, the oh, I haven't seen the new. Are the new ones all black? I can't remember. Uh, they are. Yeah, the new ones are all black, hmm. except for the well, DX, jet, the DX eighteen. I think is uh, is silver still, but the rest the rest all come in black. Didn't they do a model? Um, maybe it was just a uh, who's the uh, the Italian guy, the fancy Italian guy. Didn't he come out with a? Didn't he have his own radio? And didn't they do it all in jet black, Darth Vader black? 
Oh, the uh, Kiki Simonzini? Yeah, they did the Yeah, the, Kiki. Yeah, they did the DX18QQ. But that was a version 1 and it didn't have voice or anything cuz they did that back, you know, several years ago. But the new DX18 version 2 Gen 2 is what they call it has the voice, tactile feel, all of that new stuff. It just comes in a different color. It's not black. But the DX6, 6, uh, the 6E6, DX8, 9, and the 20. And the 20 is the new one with the, the, the aluminum gimbals and all that. It, it, it's got like carbon fiber. It's, it, it is, but I mean, you're paying for all that stuff. Trust me. It's, it's got like leather grips, but it runs probably about how much was it? $1,300. <laughs> well, so I think wow. that's out of the uh, price range for us park flyers. <laughs> How much was the DX18? Uh, the DX18 runs about eight. Uh, it, the retail on it is about eight twenty nine. Wow. Yeah, eight hundred, eight hundred bucks or so. Yeah, for the Gen Two, I think you can probably find a couple of deals. You know, if you get five percent off or whatever, they're pretty consistent on their pricing. You don't really want. You know, people to sell it for less than what the retail is but you can you can usually find you know someone retailer that's got a, a coupon or something you can get a little bit more off you know, money you know you can get more money off of it so the uh the tyrannus that new horse it's horse 12 or whatever that just came out so is yeah. it are the features that are on that one is it just more channels or does it give you some extra some some extra stuff do you do you happen to know well, I, uh, there's a couple of different things. One, the form factor is different. Um, it has a color screen. Uh, I don't know about the channels on it. I'll be honest with you. I, I haven't, I haven't drooled over it, drooled over it because I'm, I'm still busy trying to learn the current radio I have, and I haven't even come close to busting out of it to to want to make that change yet. So. So I haven't really, you know, as soon as I start a window shop, I'm going to be wanting to buy it. And so I decided that I was going to look at it too hard. <laughs> wow. I mean, uh, it's, it's not, it's not often we have a guy who admits that he has a problem like that. Um, we usually try to mutually support each other in like these little groups of, Oh, I think I want to buy a plane. Well, you should buy that plane, not this plane. Right. <laughs> you don't try to talk the guy out of it. So, wow. Good on Hi, you. My name is Mike. I fly yeah. RC. Hi, Mike. <laughs> I have a problem. <laughs> so on my fly RC. So the the Hornus X12S is the one you're talking about, and it it yes. looks more like yes. it's a tray radio. It doesn't look like it's a very ergonomically set up for handheld. It looks more like a tray, like you would put it in it, a tray. I'd agree. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I would agree with that. No, I I think that the I think actually that the, the um, straps. My understanding is the straps make it so that I don't know that you have a tray or it has a tray already, but um, I, I, that's my understanding is people use it just like that. Yeah, it's very space age looking. It comes in black and silver, I think, but uh, it has a little bit yep. of a texture on there too. So it comes in three colors, texture, space gray, or silver. A uh, lot of buttons on there though. It looks more, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of one of those mixing stations for a DJ. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? You know, it's got like Meister Mike. Yeah, it is. It's like the two turntables and then all the sliders in the middle. It and it's got a big uh like color screen at the top that's at a 45 degree angle so you can see it. It's very space age looking. It very very uh impressive. But I couldn't tell you what they're going I know to the do. guys the guys that have it are really happy with it. That's what I know. It looks like it's got a USB port in it as well. Wow. That's probably to program it or, or uh, save models from it or whatever. Yeah, it looks like it comes with a USB port and then a SD port and a, what do you call the little pitchfork looking one, the uh, micro USB? Okay. Isn't that the one that looks like no, a pitchfork? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yes. USB. Hey, that's you a USB. You can send me all you want. Yeah, you can tell me all you want. I'm not going to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> We 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 can't. It says buy now. I can click on the button. Just give me your card. No, I can, I can reserve it. one for you. 
I'll just uh, order it for you. It's a sickness. We all have it. It's terrible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but we're here to help each other and support each other. That's what I like about the hobby. Mike, I have I, I Jay has no problem spending my money on new new equipment. <laughs> he's very good at it. I, he's I my, swear he's my that official... you almost bought a, I I could swear you almost bought a jet engine because of what Jay was telling you. I did. Like, I came in your ear. I did very I came very close to buying a a turbine because of that moron. Yep. Yeah. All I do is send a video. I don't, it's not like I, please read this. You know, it's just, I just send out a little, hey, I think you'd find this interesting. And the next thing I know, we're talking about turbine engines for the next week, sending each other back information. So, yeah, that, I, I just try to, I just try to open up people's minds to new possibilities. That's all. Well, That's stop. All. I'm, I'm just a yeah, I'm, I'm muse. Just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just lucky that Alvik has ignored this conversation. So, and stuff like that happens, I just ignore it, and that way I don't get any more emails on it. <laughs> well, yeah, and then I get all those bounce backs from you, see? So, I, you know, I'm going to get a divorce over this <laughs> because all this crap shows up at my house. And, like, my wife keeps thinking I'm ordering stuff. I'm like, that's not me. I have to admit, the uh, past couple of Christmases ago, uh, you know, getting you a gift and sending it directly to your house, and then your wife's like, what, what is this, Mike? And you're like, uh, I don't know. And she's like, yeah, right. Yeah, let right. me tell you how long you. it was before. She never really, I, I, to this day, I don't think she believes that it actually came from you. <laughs> I think she has this uh, in the back of her head. She just shakes her head every time. And I'm like, honestly, Jay bought me that. And he's like, she's like, yeah, sure he did. No, seriously, he did. <laughs> she just shakes her head. Uh, she knows. She knows. That is, she, she knows we're like two little uh, five-year-old kids, you know, with our toys crazy sorry to hear that i know right hey so mike in alaska i got another question for you so i one of the things i heard that the tyrannus can do and i think the the new the new free sky radio as well so yours is a nine channel right nine or 12 channel radio well, i can't remember which was the tyrannus is it I think nine it's, or 12 i think 12 i think it okay. can be 12 yeah so I also heard that I don't remember if it's a firmware thing or it's a, another programming thing, but I, I remember reading somewhere where you can make it double the channels and you can get like 30 channels, something, something ridiculous. You're able to double the amount of channels or you can get 24 channels out of what I, you have. I have. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't speak to that. I don't, I don't know. I could be even wrong about the 12 channels. I, I, I haven't had the need for, going that far but and it, it might only be like an s bus like it won't do it yeah it's uh, because it does the s bus thing, it's, it's something by the receivers able, yeah but that's just insane to be able to get 24 channels or 32 channels out of your radio i don't know what you would control with that or what type of plane you're controlling with that uh, obviously it's not going to be a park flyer but it's truly you know like i said mind-boggling that you can get this out of something that just costs 200 dollars. so according to this it says 16 channels more when combined with an external mode. So if I'm not mistaken, I think the DX18 will do something similar. And I think Mike's right. If you do it through an S bus, uh, I think you can get up to 42 different channels. And if you thought about what? that, you could do like a like a third scale or half scale beach uh, seven, B17. That would require way more than 16 i mean all the servos the the motors the gear the flaps lights turrets all that but stuff. you need three guys to just to fly it i mean i mean <laughs> well maybe well, maybe well, actually, not. you know jay you make a good you know you make a really good point because i think i remember a couple of videos i watched and it had guys two radios and so they they however they programmed the thing they set it up so that two different radios were no, one was probably flying the plane, and the other thing was working other parts of it or whatever. And two guys with radios. Maybe it was uh, just in case one radio crapped out, the other guy could take over. I don't know, but it was it was amazing to see. Just think well, about those possibilities. I mean, it's. I, I could see that if if they if you were able to hook up your radios together, and like if one guy his radio just controlled, let's say it was uh, uh, some sort of jet type plane and and all his radio controlled were the were the throttles but basically it was set up that you can you can monitor all the throttles individually 
you know, and you had that set up on one radio, I could kind of see that as opposed to they're all just tied into the one throttle switch. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, maybe something like that. I, I don't know. I, that, that just boggles my mind to, to think that you have that many channels for stuff. Well, but you got to remember that, that this new channel mixing and, and coming up with more than 18, 24, 42 channels, that all that technology is brand new. That technology didn't exist four years ago, more, you know, or, or 10 years ago for, for that matter. So a lot of these videos and the airplanes that we see that are running around that, uh, are currently out there that have multiple or like what Mike said has the two radios because I've seen that I think it's a um, it's a B thirty nine or whatever the Super Fortress is yeah anyway they yeah they uh, they have two radios because I think at at some point you only you could only get fifteen or ten or nine channels for that particular radio and the other one ran all of the systems and I I could see that that you could run bombay doors or turrets you could do uh flaps or gear smoke system smoke exactly all of that kind of stuff and the guy that was actually flying it would really have to have the the motor channels would have to be on his aileron rudder elevator you know maybe maybe something gear or something well you know gear you could still call for that because you know, you can fly, take off, and say gear up, and the guy could hit a switch and say gear up. But in today's yeah, world, true. with 64 different channels, you know, you can do all that on your own radio and not really even have to worry about it. I think that's that's fabulous, but I think that's why you need the voice as well because I can't remember, you know, I have to, every time I fly, <laughs> I have to go to when I set my model up, I flip all the switches to see what all the switches do. I try to stay consistent, but when you start adding more and more and more, I just forget which where's my high rate, low rate, where's my gear, where's my flaps. They're usually on these sticks, but on some it may be different. So I have to actually flip all the switches and have the voice tell me what I've programmed rather than have it. I have to it. I have to say having the voice is has been a godsend. Oh, absolutely. That, that is real that has really changed how I fly, you know, now. But between whether telling me, you know, how long I've been flying or like you said, telling me exactly what switches I'm touching is it, it truly has tra- changed how I how I fly and how I react to things. And uh, when I fly with somebody else's radio that doesn't talk, it's you know I'm like I feel like I'm handicapped. <laughs> so I've I've really re- I've really come to rely upon the voice technology. I really have. I, I highly recommend it. And now you can put your own voice in there. So when you flip the switch, you know it'll say, "Hey, dumbass, you're in low rate." I like that. Well, uh, uh, I think Jay and I talked about something where the guy. Somebody kept, I think I read this in the model magazine, uh, model aviation magazine, where um, the guy would be flying and everybody would always come up and want to talk to him. And he's a really gregarious guy and so would normally want to talk to him, but he's busy flying. And so what he did is he programmed some pre-programmed statements on the switches on his radio. Things like... Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to to talk to you more, but I'm flying right now. (laughs) Or as you did, Jason, awesome, or or whatever, and just so that when someone would talk, ask some questions, he just flick certain switches, and it would answer for him. He could just keep busy flying. I thought that was pretty great. That is, I don't that know is if smart. it was a story or if it was a, a real thing, but it's a great idea. Well, and that's that's a lot better than the T-shirt that we normally talk about buying that has the top ten questions on it. Well, I, I guess the T-shirt's too old school now. You can just program in all your responses there to you be right. Wow. All right. Although I'd be flipping switches because I couldn't remember which one was the right response. <laughs> we appreciate you uh, being with us today, Mike. Uh, it was great to have you on here and to learn more about the Free Sky Radio, the Tyrannus X9D+. Plus. Uh, it sounds like it's uh, a new technology that's come a long way and brought better options to the sport. Uh, hopefully, if you're a new guy into the to the park flying world you can take a look at some of these different radios and make uh, an informed decision um jay anything to add before we uh sign off uh only thing i'd have to say is if you get a chance um check out the guys when they have the radios out go up to them talk to them about the pluses and minuses of why they like that radio and you might find out that you want that feature too and um like i said talk to just talk to the different park flighters that are out there you, you know it helps 
And you can that's use, about it for me. You can use RC groups too. It, uh, there's a lot of information on RC groups. Everybody has a, a corner, and I think there's actually some uh, forums that talk about radios. Didn't you say you were following one of those, Mike? I'm following one where they're doing actually doing some programming coding for the um, the multi module and a couple other uh, things that's specific to the terrain. Oh, so there you go. If it's specific to a particular radio, you'll probably find it on RC group. A lot of information shared there. Definitely, definitely a lot of great information on that. Well, that about does it. For Mike, Jay, me here in Arizona, we appreciate you joining us. See you next time. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please feel free to email your questions, topics, or suggestions to parkflyerpodcast at gmail.com. 